You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 119. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Tia Norfleet, the first African-American female NASCAR driver, to discuss her mindset and the journey that led her to the NASCAR circuit. Tia shares her experience on what it felt like to be the first African-American female NASCAR driver and how she deals with all of the behind-the-scenes dynamics. This down-to-earth athlete will impress you with her confidence and composure. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. Interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals? The Mass Suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The Mass Suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sport specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the mass suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Tia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pumped. I'm feeling really good today, and uh, I'm really excited to to have you on my show for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is just to, to get inside your mind and understand your mindset as a NASCAR driver and, and understand this incredible journey that you've gone through that's led you uh, to be the first African-American NASCAR driver and, um, and all the things that you've experienced beyond that. So I'm really excited to have you on my show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of it. All right. Well, then let's get into it, into uh, something that I talk about all the time. It's, it's like a daily conversation for me, and it's about mental toughness. So when you think about your sport, what do you think or, or what does mentally tough mean to you? Um, to me, mentally tough means to find the silver lining in everything, even when your natural instinct is you're ready to explode or you're ready to give up or you're ready to just walk away or you're confused. I think that just mental toughness to me just is really continuing to go on despite all of those challenges. And when you reflect on your career up to this point, can you share a specific time? And I'm sure there's a bunch of them, but can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough? Uh, yeah. Um, well, one in particular uh, was, in Daytona at the Daytona, the Daytona um, Speedway during Speed Week. And I was actually going to test, which in racing terms mean practice. <laughs> I was going to run a few laps um, at the Daytona Speedway. And I was so excited because 
this has never had never been done before. And unfortunately, I, I called all of my friends and family because it was a big deal to me. And when I got there, I was unfortunately I was unable to even test uh, due to something outside of myself. I had nothing to do with it, but um, it, I just had to be really tough mentally then because I wanted to break down because this was like a really big deal for me. And like I said, I had invited a lot of people from out of town and it just, it was just like, darn, it was, I was just getting hit left and right with different things that weren't at the time in my favor. And I just had to just push through even when I wanted to break down, like I literally wanted to break down. Well, how did you, how did you push through? What were some of the things that you did to, to kind of push through those things? I talked to myself and I, I had to realize from a spiritual standpoint that everything that I'm going through is a blessing and a lesson. Um, <laughs> and in the midst of it, it may not seem that way, but in retrospect, it was necessary. So during the time, you know, one of the main things that brought me through was the fact that I did have my family and friends there to support me, even though inside I was kind of broken a little bit, but just their love, because it's genuine love, it really just, it, it filled in the void for that moment. And it, mm. it really helped me out of the situation. <laughs> you know what I love about it is um, when we, when we're performing anything, but especially in athletics, when we, when we get out of focus, for whatever, whatever that is, or those things that pull us out of focus. One of the things that I talk about and teach is about talking, not listening to what's happening, but talking to it. So when you can get back into your most confident self by your language, it brings you that, that, cause that's what you can control. Even when shit seems like, you know, pressure and things are going haywire and you're losing control, you can gain control by talking to it and getting back into, and also in getting clarity of like really reframing, like you did, like, I have family here. Like that's, that's my, that's my ground. That's, that's my rock. So that, that's awesome. Right. I don't know if I, that probably would have been an extra tough pill to swallow if I was by myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, take us back to the beginning, like where this love for driving took place. Like what, what's, what's the motivation and the dream behind being a NASCAR driver? The motivation was definitely um, my father. Um, I am the second oldest. Uh, my, my mom and dad have four kids. I have an older brother than it's me. Then I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So um, the first two of us, my older brother and I, we're kind of like a little older than our two other siblings. <laughs> so for a while, it was just him and I. And I was always um, just like a tomboy. I always had this very independent spirit, you know, just very um, adventurous, go get it type of mentality. Um, and and I didn't need any assistance. <laughs> I would just go. <laughs> and so just being, I'm, I'm a daddy's girl. And so just being around my father, whether it was uh, street racing, drag racing, or him working on a car, it was just always something that was, present, you know, in my early, even up to now, but, you know, that was my, one of my fondest memories because he's always been involved in some sort of motorsport or something to do with the automobile or motorcycle. So that's where it started. And he actually, what he did, I had a little Barbie Corvette and he took the, and he just tricked it out and he put (laughs) a, um, 
I forgot what size. Um, it was a, a lawnmower battery. I believe that's what it was. And he tricked it out and it just, it went a lot faster. He gave me signal lights, a horn, like a radio, everything. And from that point on, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm a, I think I'm an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> so that's where it started. My dad definitely influenced me. And, you know, as you're growing up, I can only imagine, you know, being introduced and exposed to just motor everything, right? It seemed like cars and motorcycles. Do you feel like you were a little bit different growing up because you were so connected to the sport at a young age? Um, I think that I was different growing up just because I was just different. <laughs> I was just, just naturally different. But yeah, I, I do believe so because I remember times even in high school where um, my dad would have like a, a NASCAR in the garage and my friends would come over and they're like, oh, you you have a real NASCAR in the garage. So yeah, I was definitely different. Like I said, I was just always a go-getter and I didn't really care what anybody else thought. Well, different's cool, man. Being being unique, um, that's where it's at, I believe. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, because we're all unique and I think that's what we feel a lot of times to remember and bring to the table. Everybody sometimes fall into this mind frame of wanting to be like someone else when you are uniquely you. There's nobody else like you. Why wouldn't you want to embrace that? <laughs> totally. You know, it, it's funny. It's And I've kind of gone through this in the probably the last couple of months. But, you know, as humans, I think we get into this comparison thing. We, as soon as we start comparing ourselves to someone else, there's a great quote um, that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So when you start comparing yourself to someone else, you've stripped yourself from being joyful in the moment. And you also forget about how unique and cool you are. Because like you said, that there's only one you. And it's it's remembering that and 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 embracing it. Absolutely. And then I also say that comparison also could turn into a breeding ground of jealousy. Yeah. And that's something that's unnecessary because when you start to compare yourself to other people, or you may know someone and, and you set up you set a boundary in your head for that person and once they exceed that boundary. Now it's a it's a breeding ground for jealousy because you're comparing, you know what I'm saying. So totally. so I feel like that that some of that stuff is totally unnecessary. If you just love yourself and just believe in <laughs> in you and embrace that, embrace it. Totally, and and we're gonna get into that like how you've been embracing yourself, you know, through this this journey and through this sport. Um, but I, I, before I want to get into your mindset of that, I want to talk a little bit about. Um, your number, number 34. One, share, share with my listeners the significance of why you wear number 34 on your car. Wendell Scott was actually the first African-American uh, male to ever um, participate in NASCAR. And he also won a championship. And he's from Danville, Virginia. Wow. I'm originally from Suffolk, Virginia. And so my dad, Wendell Scott's number was 34. My dad's number was 34. And just to, you know, pay homage to both of them, I wanted to, you know, take the number 34 as well. That's awesome. You know, when I was doing some research and I, I there's numbers to me are big for some reason. Um, there's just, there's a representation <laughs> for them. Yeah. So, and being a, you know, the, the DNA of me is football. 
Um, so when I think of like football players that were number 34, that first came up for me, like when I was doing some research was Herschel Walker, Walter Payton. Um, yeah. They've just been great athletes that have worn that number. Absolutely. And I'm very, on a different side, um, I'm very into numbers as well. And 34 <laughs> equates to seven and, and seven is definitely a great number, you know, from a spiritual level not to be sound all weird but no no but yeah so yeah it, it's been a lot of great people that worn the number 34 so I just um hopefully one day I'll have the opportunity to to make them happy that's beautiful that's beautiful well let's let's go back to August 4th 2012 where you made your debut um on NASCAR and, and you were the first and only African-American female NASCAR driver like if you were to describe that experience in one word, what would it be? In one word? Oh, <laughs> God. Because it, it's a, it's an entire backstory behind that. But yeah, in one word, it would be, if I could make up a word, it would be, um, I don't even know. It was amazing, but yeah, it was short-lived, mm. if that makes any sense. Because that was my debut, but unfortunately you know just due to certain things it, let me just say for anybody that don't know anything about motorsports um in order to progress or do anything in this uh, arena you have to have a financial backing nascar mm -hmm. or any other motorsport is a um it's expensive sponsor sponsor driven sport yeah and so unfortunately that day i was unable to complete the race because even though I was, a, I made history that day because I did start and I, I had to do a start in part, but, um, and that was due to sponsorship pulling out like the day before the race. Wow. So <laughs> it was exciting. It was fun. I had tested and, and I, I had went up like a week before and we were just going at it, you know, just really improving and, and, you know, and, um, we were really excited, but, you know, things happen the way they happen. And I took it as, I took it as, okay, we won't let that happen again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like learn from the But lesson, it was definitely right? fun. It was fun. That's awesome. It was. Well, you know, when you think about um, being the first at anything, I've had a lot of people on my show that were the first. Um, and, re and regardless how that, that experience was, but like even to this day, when you look back at what you've done and what you have been doing, what is it like to be the first? Um, how special is that? It's definitely me. I'm I'm a very low key type of woman. You know, I'm very down to earth, cool. And at first, people were like making a big deal about, "Oh, you're the first. And I'm like, "Girl, boy, I'm just me," you know. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. it's definitely shown me that you know it 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 feels wonderful actually because it sparks it sparks something in other people that may have never thought about doing it or may want it, you know, may want to do it, but may not have seen anyone else do it. So, you know, they don't know if it's possible. So I think that just being in that um, category, if you may, it just really, it makes me want to be a positive representation yeah. because I am in that space. That's awesome. And I want to make sure that I, I, 
you know, display as much positivity to the youth because at the end of the of the day, you know, they're the future. Totally. So. And if you can be an example of, you know, playing a bigger game with your career and, you know, and, and also using your platform, because I know you do that. And we're going to talk about that towards the end of the show, because you're super involved in um, programs and causes and, and, and helping the youth. So we're going to talk about that um, towards the end of the show. But this is where I get really excited about the show is talking about mindset and, and I can only imagine your sport when you're locked in, like when you're locked in and you're, you're about to go and you're feeling your car, like describe, like, what is your mindset when you drive and what does it feel like? Describe like the feeling when you're going about 200 miles an hour. It's definitely mind over matter, (laughs) which, (laughs) which everything is actually, but, um, I had to realize because a lot of people they get in there. Oh, are you afraid? Yeah, because I feel like if you don't have a sense of fear and you get too comfortable, that's when things could go wrong. So my mindset is definitely just, you know, being aware and alert and putting my trust in the crew chief because he has my life in his hands (laughs) and, you know, just being, um, prayed up like I'm praying <laughs> I'm praying um I'm doing a, I'm doing multiple things at once because once you get rolling the g-force hits you so physically you're kind of stuck so you kind of you know mentally you have to be very very aware and very focused and have tunnel vision but there's so many different things going on all at once because I don't know if a lot of people know as a driver you you have a crew chief and the crew chief can see the entire track and so they're telling you what to do what not to do how to do it and you literally have to listen to everything that they say Wow! so you literally have they have your life in their hands so you're listening to them, following their directions, mashing, you know, mashing the clutch, mashing the gas, shifting the gear, <laughs> talking back to them at the same time. So it's like it's a lot going on. So you definitely have to be um, just mentally prepared and mentally, you know, stable. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and this is I guess this is just my view and my lens on the sport and which I, I do know that it's it is extremely mental but it's physical too and i don't and again this is a general statement but i don't know if people really realize like how physical the sport is even though that you're going around in a track in a circle but the fact of your arms and your legs and your stomach like because you're engaging all that but you also have to be loose and relaxed right so how much do you like there's a mental game to it there's a mindset to it but how much do you have to physically get prepared for these races yeah, you, you have to physically get prepared like any other sport, I would say, because you have to imagine these cars, they typically race on the East Coast during summer month. Well, even though the season is from February to November, but like it's it's typically hot outside. And so if it's 80 degrees outside, it's over 100 plus inside of the car and then inside of your uniform which is where you are (laughs) is super hot um but at the same time you have to these cars are are really heavy and the 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 clutch is heavy the steering wheel is you you're controlling a 
I don't even remember. I don't even know what the cars weigh this year, but they're like, I, it's an extremely heavy car that you're controlling. Right. And then the, the gear shift is heavy. So everything is heavy. And then you're tied down um, in a strap in a seat that is, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot going on. And you have to be like, because I've seen drivers literally pass out. Wow. Because they get out the car and pass out because it's so hot wow. inside. And so you can lose up to like 10 pounds of water weight on a, on a hot day. Wow. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? I, when you think about when you're in the car, right? I know there's a lot of stuff that you're managing. There's a lot of, like, you know, your emotions and you're managing the people around you. But when you get into the car, does does being a female, does race, does anything, does that come up for you when you're actually in the car or um, or is it? Do you think about some of those things, what you're representing and some of the things you probably have to deal with, like the dynamics of the sport, being female and, and also your race? Or is it just when you get in there, you're like, man, I'm just a driver and I'm doing my thing? Yeah, you know, for me, that's always been my mindset from the beginning until um, certain people or parties made it obvious you know mm, yeah. I, I don't I didn't you know I did that that's never been my mindset I just wanted to drive I didn't look at it as a female or because I'm you know black or anything like that I just wanted to drive just like anyone else um, but unfortunately you do have some people that are still stuck in a mindset where that that is the first thing that they notice yeah. and unfortunately you know that's just all I can do is pray for them, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I can do because honestly, that's their problem and not mine. Um, but yeah, my mind, my mindset is driving, but as I become, as I, I grew, you know, just as a woman, I realized like to go with what I was saying earlier, you know, I realized now what I truly represent and this is bigger than me. And there are little girls you know, that may look at me, you know, so I have to realize that, okay, so now when I do get in a car, yeah, I am just a driver, but I also want to be a positive representation for, for those little girls and boys that may want to do this. Yeah. You know, I, I had, uh, not too long ago, I had an Ednisha Curry, who is, um, right now the only female and also black assistant coach in all the division one men's basketball. So she's the only female coach. And she's awesome. And she basically said, she pretty much echoed what you just said is that, you know, as much as that now, now she has this platform, but this is bigger than basketball. This is bigger um, in many fronts. And if she can, you know, educate the youth and people around her, um, she's all for it. So it, but it took her when she got the job and she started doing this type of work, she started to realize like the sport itself and coaching, like there's something bigger than that. Absolutely. I definitely agree. <laughs> well, talking about your platform, um, you know, I read something that I thought was pretty cool. And you were qu quoted about saying like most drivers think as, as far as, you know, NASCAR, that it's 80% on the track and 20% off the track. But your theory is a little bit different, where it's, you feel that it's 20% on the track and 80% what you do is off the track. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. Um, I, I've been around people or drivers that um 
they go out there. Of course, you know, when you're getting in the track, we're, everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to win. Um, but sidebar, you know, you're only as good as the money you have. You know, that's right. another note. But um, <laughs> they want to be competitive. And then they get in the race. They do what they do in the car. They get on their jet or whatever or RV and they go home. Nothing, you know, nothing else. You don't right. engage with the fans. You don't, um, you know, ha- you don't create um, initiatives to help causes and so on and so forth. So I feel like, you know, because there's a lot of drivers that have really loyal fans, but yet you don't do, you don't engage in them. You don't go to those neighborhoods. You don't go to those cities and and have meet and greets and one on ones or, or create programs to help those fans and in, 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 in the community. Um, some people do, don't get me wrong. Some people do, but I've noticed a lot that don't. And <laughs> so I just feel like the 80-20 rule for me is just, yeah, um, when I say 20% on the track, I don't, I don't mean from a competitive standpoint. I just mean from as a, as a brand, you have to do things off of the track you know, to engage with the people that, that love you. Right. I mean, because without them, who are, I mean, not who are you as a person, but who are you as a brand? Who are yeah. you without those people? You aren't any, you're, you aren't anything without them. Yeah. And I think people don't give the, that, that core fan base enough attention. Well, well, as far as like, the support system and, and even the the causes and programs that you're involved. Um, and it seems like you've surrounded yourself with great people and, and great programs, but what are, what's a cause or a program that that's meaningful right now that you're connected with? Um, I have a initiative called Glam Garage. And um, basically what I do is I get a group of young ladies young girls and cool. I um I teach them the basic fundamentals of car maintenance like how to change a tire how to check their oil how to check their fluids and then in, in the midst of it we have a one-on-one discussion about real life topics that young girls are going through these days and at the end I get their makeup done for them just oh. to keep pushing wow. that um self-esteem you know and that self-confidence in them and because I remember when I was in high school I would get flat tires all the time, but luckily for me, my father taught me how to change a tire. So I'm not on side of the road, you know, just stranded because <laughs> right. I don't know how to change a tire. I've changed boys' tires in high school because <laughs> they didn't know how to do it. So I just wanted to give that back to to my community because I feel like, sadly enough, a lot of young, not even only young girls, but also young men don't may or may not have a father figure in their lives to teach them just those basic little things you know right and um i just i want to just do my part when it comes to that that's cool man i love that i love that very much you know when you when you think about and this is kind of a deep question and this is one of my favorite questions that i ask everyone but like when you think about your whole career everything that you've experienced what do you think you've learned the most about yourself I've learned to trust in me <laughs> and to not, you know, and not to second guess my intuition and my gut feeling. And I've learned that I'm a lot stronger than I've ever imagined 
that I was, even though I knew I was a pretty strong chick. But I, <laughs> I you know, when certain things that you couldn't even imagine just happen to you, like, you, how can you prepare for that? So I just realized that I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. And it's definitely a blessing. I look at everything now. I'm in, I'm in such a space where I look at everything positively, even if it's something that is just like, oh, my God, what is going on? <laughs> but you know what happened? And this happened and this happened and this happened, but it could have been worse or, you know, it could have been this or it could have been that. So I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm still in my right mind. Take it as a lesson. Take it as a blessing and keep it moving. That's all you it. really can do. Yeah. Yeah. I've, this took me a long time because uh, I went through a lot of stuff throughout my life. I think we all have, but um, I've realized probably in the last maybe five to six years that where there's an, where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. I don't care what that crisis is for that person, but man, if, if you can see it as a lesson, if you can see it as a blessing, if you can look at it actually in a different angle and allow yourself. And now that I, I have adversity, now I have like shit that comes up. I, there's a part of me that I get a little excited because I'm like, I know right now sucks, but right. I, I know something around the corner is going to come out of this. I know it, you know, but that's just, it's taking me a, a lot of shit <laughs> to go through to experience that. Right, right, right. My, my brother said something that just really tickled me. Um, my mom, something happened. It was really messed up. And my mom was like, well, just look at it as um, a blessing in disguise. And so my brother was like, mom, I'm tired of disguises. I'm tired of the disguises. I just need my blessing outright. <laughs> and she was like, I was like, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. But, you know, it is what it is. Everything, it's not that bad. I just right. have to look at it like it's, it's, it's not that bad. Right. And there's actually I heard this one not too long ago that. The breakthrough comes from the breakdown or comes Absolutely. through the breakdown. So it's, um, again, you have to be open to it. You have to, if you're all closed up and pissed off and tight and tense and stressed and all that worried, it's hard to, to allow yourself to, to see the opportunity. But if you are not those things, it's just easier and easier you know, to receive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you're closed up, you can't receive anything. And, and it, without a, without a test, you know, you can't have a testimony and without mess, you can't have a message. So oh, you just definitely have to. I'm stealing that. <laughs> steal it. It's, it's there for the taking. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, how can my, how can my listeners follow you on social media and, and connect with you? Absolutely. Um, Facebook is Tia, T-I-A, Norfleet, N-O-R-F-L-E-E-T. Instagram is Tia underscore Norfleet. And yeah, everything else is just Tia Norfleet. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple, right? <laughs> simple. <laughs> All right. Well, Tia, thank you so much. This is a, I, I could talk to you for another hour. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but this was great. Um, you know, just coming on my show and sharing your journey and your mindset and your energy. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is definitely like a little therapy session, and I think I needed that. All right. Good. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much. You bet.